I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, and stuff. I don't know. Like sepsis killing off brain cells. Yeah, that. (laughs) Oh, you poor thing. Yeah. Not a game I ever wanted to play again in my life. You did this once in the mid-aughts, no, Mm mid-teens, when your diverticulitis tried to kill you, Mm -hmm. and the infection got into your bloodstream Mm -hmm. and tried to kill you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fortunately, I had my spouse transport me to the correct location where they could make that stop. Yes. Yeah. Also known as the emergency room. Yeah. And this time we went a little bit sooner to the emergency room because I had a clue as to what was going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's good that we did because backing up, it started with a little bit of irritation around your incision site from your Mons lift, Mm -hmm. which the incision is about, what, 10 inches long across your lower abdomen, looks almost like a C-section scar. Yeah, it's a long scar. And initially, I had a drain in the left side that was, you know, attached to the incision itself, which would go all the way across. Mm -hmm. Uh, Possibly, I would have been better with two drains. One on each side? Yeah. Because your drain was on the left side. And then after coming home about a week later... Two weeks. I spent two weeks in hyperbarics. Two, well, after two, a week after coming home after the hyperbarics. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Um, say it over. No, you're good. Okay. Example of cognitive challenges with sepsis. Well, that and you and I trying to understand each other. That too. Yeah. We're good at that. Because you, what you're saying, you understand, but I might not. I'm trying to understand what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, that's how we do. Talk about what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> about a week after you came home... Mm-hmm. Just before our holiday Christmas, which we've talked any longtime friends will know that we have our Christmas not on Christmas because kids and visitation schedules and work schedules and everything else. Right. So the day before our Christmas, mm-hmm. you were having some redness around your incision site. I was, and I was concerned about it. And it had been there for about a day and a half, and we both thought that because it was not like extra inflamed, it was just red. And because it was not hot to the touch, and it was not unnecessarily painful, like it wasn't deep painful, it was just like surface painful, Mm -hmm. that it seemed like chafing or like some other surface level discomfort. Except I couldn't figure out how it was chafing, and you kept trying to figure that out. And I I think I kind of knew in the back of my mind that that was the first red flag. Yeah. But what what are you going to do? I went to have it looked at. You did. And so you did go to the doctor and the doctor did look at it and say, right, we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah. And And it was a Friday. It was a Friday. And so then that weekend we had our Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then come Monday. I was going back to have them follow up and look at it again. Yes, because that was the instruction. We'll keep an eye on it. Yes. And it was more red. And this time it was actually like starting to look inflamed. And feel warm. And feel warm. There was a nurse who used to be a post-surgical nurse there, and I think she was a little more used to what she was looking for than the APRN and the other nurse that I'd seen Friday. So they prescribed me some antibiotics, and that was in the afternoon, and you picked them up around dinner time. Yep, I picked them up just before dinner, but you were going to take them after dinner because... You have to take them with food. Food, yes. Mm, Yeah. But it was already it was already too late. Yeah. Yeah, by the time dinner happened. And then we had our radar meeting. Yes. And 
then then I said you needed to take it and you thought the nausea uh you started to feel nauseous right after you took your antibiotic yeah and at first not unusual no at first you thought it was just antibiotics make you nauseous so you might need more food yeah and then I realized my arms started to hurt and then you started to get the shakes yeah, once my arm started hurting, uh, I knew I was doomed, and you're going to have to take me to the ER. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I had a little bit more hopefulness. I bundled you up under the covers to try and help you warm up. I was waiting to see if... Because that was not the first time since you had been home that you had had a shock response from, like, a bump to your surgery site. Or yeah. a jarring, you know, you know, something. I've been super big on the Zofran this round. Yes. Like I'm using the Zofran they gave me all the times, all the all the different times I've been to surgery this year. Uh, I hardly used any of that Zofran. I maybe used one each time. And they would prescribe it for you every time. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I will not decline more Zofran, especially no, if my insurance is covering it. When you need it, you need it. And yes. I'd rather have it here. Absolutely. And I was very glad I did. So, so like every time you would bump yourself the wrong way or sit on, sit down a little too hard or take a med that disagreed with your stomach a little too strongly, you would take the Zofran because it, you would start to have that shock response. And if you could calm the nausea, then it would calm well, the rest of it. Especially because at that point, you and I were still massaging the tissue that was getting hard to try to get the fluid to move. And by hard, you mean like swollen, swollen with, yes. with fluid, yeah. Not you. You are unfortunately not yet getting hard. No, <laughs> it might be convenient that I'm not though. the The area around the incision would get filled with fluid and become very firm, and we were trying to move some of that fluid and keep it from creating lots of scar tissue, and also keep it moving and try to get it to drain. Yes. And as you said, on the left side where the original drain was, it looked great and it drained. Mm -hmm. But the right side was not draining properly. It was not. It would get swollen again. It would get inflamed again mm -hmm. pretty quickly after that lymphatic massage. And that's when I would take some Zofran. Yeah. And so, like, massaging that swelling down was kind of a double-edged sword, I think. I think so, too. Because it did keep it from making more scar tissue. Mm -hmm. It did keep the flow of lymph and blood and whatever other, you know, immunological agents could get there aren't going to get there if it's already too swollen and too inflamed. Right. But also, if there's an infection and you're massaging that infected fluid back into the body. That's a problem. That was the problem. Yeah. And so the reason that you were having a shock response that night was because the infection had gotten into your bloodstream, which yeah. is called sepsis. Yeah. I probably would have ended up with a problem anyway, but maybe I wouldn't have spent three days in the hospital shaking while they were trying to figure out what to do with me. Well, at least we caught it earlier this time. Last time they tried to pack you in ice because your fever wouldn't come down. This time they were at least able to control it. Like it, the infection was not so bad that they couldn't control the fever. No, they would check it. And if it got to 102, they'd get pretty upset. But it wasn't getting to 103 and staying there. Right. Last time when, you know, we, we didn't know. This time I when my arms started hurting, I could feel that it was my veins hurting. Mm -hmm. And I thought, no, this is bad. We have to go. Right. So yeah, we went to the hospital Monday night and we, we went to the one that's a little farther away because the one that's easier to access by freeway is also a trauma center and that's also very difficult to get through the ER and get what you need. 
And I, you know, being in the shape I was in, I needed to be seen immediately. Right. So we got down there. And despite the grumpiness of the intake nurse, she did, it turns out she was listening to me because she initiated sepsis protocol. Yes. And told that to the nurse taking me back or the CNA taking me back or whoever it was. Yeah. And they all came in there and started taking care of it. Yeah. It sounded like a traveling nurse team because they all kind of were jocular with one another and they were talking about, oh, that time that we stayed in that hostel at whatever and- Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were kind of a riot, actually. Yeah, they were. One of them was really tall, and somebody suggested that he needed to kneel to be able to reach you on your short short little man on your short little bed. Mm-hmm. And a few minutes later, they're joking about something, and they said, be, be, be good, there's a lady in the room. And I was like, wait, where? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, of course, then I had to give them the smart-ass response of, I mean, I'm just waiting to see what's his face over here kneeling, like mm-hmm. he said earlier. Uh-huh. And they were like, oh, okay, you're on our side. You're good. <laughs> yeah, they liked you. They did like you. They did like you. And they were, they were very pleasant. They were. They took good care of me. And they got you started right away on some IV fluids and antibiotics. Well, they had to do the blood work before they could do the antibiotics, but they got me started right away on IV fluids and a CT scan and an x-ray and pretty much everything they could throw at me. Yeah, the x-ray showed no like TB or pneumonia or anything like that, like in your chest cavity. That's so they always were always nice to know. Right. While you're trying not to die from something else. But then the CT scan was kind of weird. And that CT guy, when he brought you back, was kind of weird. I wonder if he didn't realize what the ex- the CT scan was going to look like, and that weirded him out, or if he was just weird about transgender stuff, or what his story was. I don't know, but the notes on your CT scan said that you had an enlarged clitoris, and that there were no visible fluid pockets or abscesses on the CT scan. But that didn't mean that they didn't exist, it just meant that they didn't see them on the scan. Right. And I thought, I am so not enlarged compared to the other week, but okay. (laughs) You had had swelling around your new dick that had made it significantly larger than it really should be. Oh, yeah. But that was one place that we could not massage the swelling down. It was just too painful. Oh, yeah. Too sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. The the surgeon had warned me how much things swell and I didn't believe it till I saw it. I was like, holy crap, that is really swollen. So it had gone down. It had gone down. Yeah. And um, I was able to, like, after a few days of you being home, I was able to massage, like, from the sides, the tissue on the sides Mm -hmm. by your thighs and like press in that way. And if I could get that soft enough, it would take out, you know, it would release some of the pressure in your actual phallus. Yeah, that all drained. It just that right side ended up with areas where it wasn't draining and it it needed to drain. It needed to drain, but it didn't. And so it got infected. Yeah. Gosh darn it. So the thing about that CT scan is because it said that they couldn't see any abscesses or fluid pockets, but it didn't mean that there weren't any, then the care team, and the doctor there at the hospital that we had taken you to, which is all the way down through the city, past the city, to the other side of the city. Yeah. They said, well... I like how you say the city, but go ahead. Yeah, it's... Anyway. Where we live. Where we live. Going. Yeah, we live up the side of a mountain near a city. And... The care team there, the doctor there, said, well, if there might be abscesses, if there might be fluid pockets, if there's anything that might need draining, B 
because this was a plastic surgery, Mm -hmm. we do not have any plastic surgeons on call who might even be willing to take a look at it. We don't have any plastic surgeons. They didn't have any surgeons that would want to look at it because it wasn't their surgery. Right. Yeah. And there was one that was actually like the, I don't know what they call it. There's a word for it. The one that's actually registered to work with the hospital at the trauma center. Mm -hmm. Not the location we were at. Not the location that we were at. Not the location that took such good care of you last time. Yes. But because there was a chance that you might have something that needed draining around a plastic surgery site, they wanted to have a plastic surgeon on board. They wanted to get a hold of that on-call surgeon, and they didn't. They they never reached him. But also, there were no beds where I was. Because there were two reasons, they decided to move me to the regional center, the trauma center. And if I think it had just been, there's no beds, they might have kept me. But otherwise, because of this other possibility... They said, what we'd have to do is have that on-call plastic surgeon look at you and then transport you back to San Francisco for your surgeon to deal with this. Which your surgeon is actually on leave for a month after having had her own gender-affirming vocal cord surgery. She's not actually on leave. She's one of those stubborn surgeon types that works anyway. She's on vocal rest. She's She can't talk. She's on vocal rest for a month. And also, I don't know that anybody was, according to the outgoing messages, nobody was in that office this week in between the holidays. Right. So, uh, and they might not have been last week when I was in the hospital either. Right. I don't. I just don't know. No. Everybody's missing. It's the holidays. Yeah. Everybody goes away. Yeah. Many blessings to the people who didn't and stayed and took care of you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So after they decided to admit you, before they decided to transfer you, yes. once I knew that you were being admitted, it was like 1 a.m. And both you and the care team were like, no, go home and sleep so that you can be helpful for him tomorrow. Yeah, you weren't going to. You wanted to wait till there was a room. So then I asked them and they said, oh, no, we don't have any rooms. He's staying here. You should go home. And so I did. I went home. I slept. I came back in the morning. But by the morning, you had been transferred to the larger hospital in the middle of the city. Yes. And so I come in. It's it's fairly quiet. I peek around. You're in a double room with an elderly gentleman mm-hmm. who I don't know how lucid you were at that moment, but I would hear his nurses coming in and, you know, just taking his vitals and regularly checking his cognitive state. Yep. Where are you? What day Do is you it? know where you are? Do you know what year it is? Do you know who the president is? Do you know, you know... When he arrived there, that was part of the report of him not understanding where he was or just being disoriented. Yes. Yeah. And they took really good care of whoever was coming in. They get them all set up and spend a lot of time doing it. And then he was incontinent. And boy, were they unhappy about that because they were really full. Yeah. And had a lot to do. And they kept having to come in there and change all of his bedding and him. Oh, my gosh. And then the poor next guy that came in was a really big guy. And something was wrong with the bed. So he couldn't lay in it. And they kept trying to fix it. He didn't want to lay in it. It was uncomfortable. And eventually they had to give him another bed. But it took them like 12 hours. And so you have your first day there. You have someone who is just rambling, talking nonsense. And then eventually they put on the TV to... He did. He put the TV on. He put the TV on for himself? Yeah, I think so. And then he left it on. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I was going nuts. Finally, during the night when one of the nurses or CNAs came in to help me get unplugged so I could get to the bathroom, I said, is there any way 
We can turn that down or turn it off. It is driving me crazy. It's been on for hours and hours and hours. And they went over there and said, hey, we're going to turn this down. And then they just turned it down. Uh-huh. But yeah, I was in that room for a few days. Yeah. And the next guy had family coming and going and he, he was a big guy. And so I like, felt bad for him that he couldn't even lay in his bed. Yeah. Like they need to have more beds for larger bodies. Well, there was, you know, it's always something like, okay, the thing is not working. We have to get the person who fixes the thing before they'll let us have a different thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that was the problem for him. That's and then, so frustrating. I think there might have been somebody else when I first got there before the old guy. That person was very quiet. Yeah, there was. And it took him all day to get out of there. All day. So, you know, and you never think, okay, I'm being discharged, but when do I get to go home? You never think that'll be now because it won't be. Right. Except when it is. Mm. But by the third day, before the end of the day, they put me in a room next door, which is by myself. Yes. And they said, hopefully you could get some sleep in here. And, and they said, usually on that floor, they didn't have double rooms, but they were just very full. So as soon as they could, they moved me in there. Yep. And um, by then I had gotten them to do other things like I'd gotten you to bring my nasal spray so I could breathe because I wasn't, be- I couldn't breathe through my nose, mm-hmm. which is not good when you're trying to do breathing exercises for pain. Because like they had you on the oxygen and it was just drying you right out. Yeah. The oxygen was and the fact that they weren't giving me my allergy pills or nasal spray. And then on top of it, some of those anti-emetics, the the nausea meds, they dry you out also. Yeah, it was rough. It was really, really rough. And it took them the first couple days to figure out which antibiotics were going to work. So they give me a bag of IV antibiotics and my fever would start to go down and then would go back up. And then they'd have to try again. Yep. So I just kept landing back in the same spot and not getting out of the cycle. Right. And they were taking like all sorts of cultures and they were checking you for like MRSA and like all these different hospital infections and antibiotic resistant infections. And like they were checking you for everything and nothing hit. Yeah. They were doing everything they could. And finally, after a couple of days, they they found a uh, IV antibiotic that's that was working. And I could tell because I stopped shaking so much. Good. I couldn't eat the whole time because I had a fever and because I felt so sick. I'd open a fruit cup and it would take me probably 20 hours to eat that thing. Yeah. They would send you a fruit cup with your breakfast. They would keep sending you full meals every day. Although full meals is... Oh my gosh. Well, and <laughs> I, I'm to, to put it simply, when you're somewhere... Uh, it's easy to say gluten-free these days. Really, I really just need to be wheat-free, but that's yeah. too hard to explain to people. No, like the fact that you could have spelt or other glutenizing grains is not something It's not that, typical. No. No. And people don't even seem to know what wheat is in. They either do or they don't. They're either very aware of dietary things or they're totally clueless. Does bread have wheat in it? Oh my gosh. So once you got into that solo room, you were not only doing better on antibiotics, you weren't shaking all the time, and then you didn't have a noisy neighbor. And so you were able to actually get like something like a whole night's sleep. Right. And you asked me when you were there that day after they moved me into that room, Mm -hmm. you said, do you want to watch something to distract yourself? And the fact of the matter is I could barely do anything. I, I could see I had texts. I couldn't read them. I didn't have the energy for it. Right. I couldn't answer texts. Eventually, I would try to, within a 24-hour period, at least give a two-word answer to somebody. Right. 
you know, but I figured if they needed to know something else, they'd have to check with you because I couldn't do it. So I couldn't pull up. I had my iPad, but I couldn't like you had to reinstall the apps that have shows on them and then sign into them and pull it up for me. And once it was going, you could click next. I could click next. (laughs) And so that was great because I was in a room by myself. Yep. I played Doctor Who until 10-something. And then I had also had you bring in my Xanax and Clonazepam bottles so I could show them to the nurse in the morning, Mm -hmm. the day before, so she could talk to the doctor so they could give me something. Because what they had given me the night before was Ativan, and I didn't like it. Mm. And so that night, as I'm finishing the Doctor Who episode, probably have 15 minutes left, he came in and gave me the Xanax, which I broke in half, because that's what I always do. Mm-hmm. Took a quarter milligram, and um, then I took the other half when I was done with my show. Yes. And then I slept. It's amazing. It's a beautiful how, thing. How, how much better you sleep when you have your anxiolytics. Yeah. What? Especially when you can't breathe. What? And you've been shaking for three days, trying not to die. (laughs) You might need some anti-anxiety meds by now. You know. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't end up needing more than that. Good. I slept until they came. The vampires came at two something. They do that. Like it would be every morning I would wake up, whether I was waking up for working from home or whether I was waking up to get ready to be parenty and then come see you or whatever was happening, I would wake up and I would see multiple pings on my phone from the medical records app mm-hmm. that would say new test results, new test results at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And I'm like, that sucks. I figure they want them in there so the doctor can see them when they come in. Yeah. But for the first time that third day, your blood work actually looked closer to like a healthy person's blood work. A person who is going to live. Yeah. I don't know about healthy. Well, okay, yeah. fair. Yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't reading any of those until that day either, that last day, the right. first time I looked at them. So after staying in that room by myself for the night and sleeping, uh, the blood work turned out good, the antibiotics had been working, I got sleep, and uh, they said I was going to be discharged, and I thought, okay, well, that guy on the first day took him all day to get out of here, so whatever. And we've played this game multiple times with your mother and your aunt, and we know that- And with me at the hospital, like, how long did we wait when I was right after my surgery in the Bay Area? Well- All day. And- you know, I mean, that I could say as a one-off because that's a different hospital. But in this hospital that you were at, we have worked with this hospital system dozens of times over the past few years. Oh, and yeah. it always takes hours. It does. And so when you texted me in the morning and I had just sat down to begin my work from home day that I had originally planned on working half a day and then coming to see you. And you said, oh, they're they're going to be discharging me. And I was like, well, I'll probably still be working half a day and coming to see you. And I said, yeah, just do whatever you're doing because until they say. Right. And then they brought me in breakfast. And that was the most ridiculous breakfast ever. It totally was. Which is hilarious because it was the first day that you could actually like ingest food. Yeah, I opened it and didn't feel repulsed and like there's no way I can get that down. Uh-huh. I was kind of bummed because it lied in more than one way. It said there was peaches and there wasn't. But there was other little fruit cup. There was supposed to be two fruit cups. And there were sausages and syrup and coffee and milk. And apparently the sausage and syrup was supposed to go with pancakes. But because I'm gluten-free, they just took the pancakes off. They had no replacement carb. Yeah. And then they didn't even send you your fruit carbs. 
or or send me other protein or yeah anything. it was just two pieces about, of sausage and a bunch of liquids potatoes are carbs what? i know right yeah well, no we didn't do no, that no 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 but being that i hadn't eaten in three and a half days i decided to try eating the sausage and just dip it in some syrup because i knew it was probably not that tasty and one of the things that happened while i was sick is my olfactory senses are very sharpened. And so the syrup was basically to help it go down. Mm. But I ate one of them and I was like, oh, I can eat. Let me eat the other one. Mm -hmm. And that was very nice to eat food. And I knew that I'd be eating more food in a little while. And then the nurse came in and said, okay, I'm going to call transport in about 10 minutes. And I was like, okay. She says, "Um, but you have to be ready because they don't like it if you're not ready. And I was like, oh, you mean now? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, give me at least 10 minutes because I am slow. And I had thought that I would still have time. Like when you were texting me like, oh, take your time. Yeah. I figured you would text me again and say, okay, they're planning on actually taking me now. Can you come help me gather my things and get dressed? And There wasn't time for that, no. which was weird. Um, so you had to get dressed on your own and gather your things on well, your own. You know, it wasn't terrible because there was a couch over there and the all the stuff had been disconnected connected from me, except for the two ports were still in my arm, but I didn't have tubes everywhere. Because while I was in the hospital, I had tubes of stuff going into both arms. Yep. Oxygen. And, yep. Um, and various meters and whatever you sensors hook up and to such. Somebody. Yep. Yeah. They hooked it up to me. Yep. And so we would have to unplug all of these things. And like some of them were stuck to the wall. So we would have to unplug you from them. Other things would come out from the wall, but wouldn't come out from you. So we would have to plug those, unplug those things from the wall. And it was just this whole ordeal, like every time you had to use the bathroom or something. Yeah, and I didn't know if I could use the ur- the little urinal, the bedside one, uh-huh. uh, because I could hardly move to know if I was going to actually aim or get it all over the place. And also, you're not doing much other movement, so I figure getting up and down is a really good idea. Yeah. Um, even if it is very painful. Mm-hmm. Like the problem with an infection like this, which I did have last time as well, is that my legs will hurt if I stand still. Yes. And they will hurt while you're sitting down as well at first, um, unless you bend them back a certain way. Right. So uh, getting to the bathroom... I'd have to hurry up and get in there, sit down and bend my legs in the peculiar way that would keep them from hurting. And then coming out of there, trying to wash my hands, you're doing a little dance by the sink, which involves a lot of ouch because you're still holding still too much. Um, And then getting back to the bed and by then I'm exhausted. And I'm breathing kind of heavy, and my heart rate is, you know, Mm -hmm. not where we'd like it. And I blame a lot of that on that I couldn't breathe through my nose, Mm. you know. The heavy breathing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because I couldn't catch my breath. Right. Um, But anyhow, I had to get up and get dressed, and so I didn't even text you yet. I hurried up and got dressed, and then I texted you. And Mm -hmm. said, well, apparently they're doing it now. And you said, okay, I'll be on my way. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'd let you know if they took me downstairs. Right. And so I got upstairs just as they were getting ready to take you downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. And my uh, Jesus friend had come by. He had come by as I was coming out of the restroom right right after I got dressed. Mm -hmm. And he was surprised to see me in pajamas. He expected me to see me with my gown and all the things attached to me. And I said, they just decided to let me go. And I'm not saying no to that. Right. So he hung out with us Mm -hmm. until uh, you got the car and helped me get to the car. Well, and you still had to go down and do all the paperwork, the checkout paperwork and get your meds that they were discharging you with and all of that. Get the ports removed. 
Yeah, the the two tubes that were still stuck to your arms and yep. yeah, the tape was more painful than the ports. Yeah, yeah, but you just tear it off, just get it over with, mm-hmm. and then we came home. Then you came home. Yeah, I'm so glad to be home. I bet you were. Yeah, where I could get to the bathroom without unhooking tubes first. <laughs> And I wasn't having a fever and shaking. I still wasn't eating very much, but because of the antibiotics, I needed to go on a brat diet for a couple of days, and that wasn't fun. I wasn't feeling like cooperating with that initially, because I finally was able to eat. You wanted to eat things that would make your brain happy, because you had not had brain happy in days. Yeah, so that night I said, let's have pizza, and I'll start the brat diet tomorrow. <laughs> And that was fine. It worked. Yeah. It wasn't any worse than anything else. No. So, but uh, So here we are. It's been a week that I got home, and uh, it's been a rough week getting to sitting up and talking to the microphone. Yes. Yeah. Couldn't, get, couldn't have gotten here a couple of days ago. Nope. But I'm glad to be here. Yep. I'm glad you're here, too. I'm glad you're glad. <laughs> so what's gendery about all that? You know, there was one nurse or CNA that just wasn't having it with me. She was very, she was really good. Uh-huh. But after a while, she's like, okay, I'm going to show you how to do this so you can get to the bathroom yourself. Uh-huh. And then that night, my fever came back and I was really sick and I couldn't do it. And I had a male CNA and a male nurse and I'd just call them and they'd come and unhook me. Yeah. And they were very different. They would actually unhook me, unhook me. Not just unhook the pole and let me take it with me. They'd just unhook me. And then they'd fix it all when I came back. Yeah. That was their method. Every Everybody else just unhooked me from the wall and sent the pole with me. So when she came back the next day, I still wasn't in great shape. And I called for ba- to for help to get unplugged. And she came in and she said, do you remember that I showed you how to do this yesterday? Like in that mm-hmm. tone of voice of, mm-hmm. yeah, I am already overworked and man is expecting woman to do the job for him. It was her Friday. Oh my gosh. she was exhausted. I bet. And I had talked to her in the morning. I had said, how are you doing? She said, it's my Friday and I'm exhausted. So I said, you know, I do remember, and I just was in bad shape last night, and I couldn't do it. So uh, after that, I just geared myself up, and they were pumping so many fluids into me. I was needing the bathroom every hour. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, all night long. That's terrible. So also, there would be no sleeping because of that. Right. And like the second day that I came to see you, like I ended up having a split day. You asked me to come early in the morning so that I could bring your Xanax and Clonopin so that they could see the nasal, it. Nasal spray. And the nasal spray. Yes. Yeah. And so you had asked me to come real early, but then I had to go and take child to the DMV midday and something else. And so then I left and I came back and like the whole time I was there the first time, you just slept for like four hours straight. And I was so just like, I was not going to bother you. I was like, oh my gosh, he's actually fucking sleeping. I, I think that was the third day after not sleeping and I just passed out in the morning. Yeah, you did. Once they reduced the fluids and I could sleep a little bit in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just slept. I couldn't stay awake. No. It really was three days of being freaking awake. That is so exhausting. How oh, are you going to recover like that? You can't. Well, they're just thinking home. about medical, the medical part of we need these fluids in him. We need these antibiotics in him. Right. You know. Yeah. So anyhow, there was that one nurse who was like, I'm not having this white guy do this. He needs to get out of his bed and go to where he needs to go himself. Like right. I showed him. But she was so on it. I'm sure she overworks herself. So I wasn't yeah. bothered with it. I just saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. I saw what was happening. And play along. Just, just be as- do what you need to do. Yes, uh-huh. I will do that. Yes, ma'am. That's right. So 
Hopefully your recovering continues mm-hmm. and your surgery recovery continues mm-hmm. and you can get back to have things like some actual fun. You know, even walking a bob would be fun right now because it's something I haven't been able to do in a month. Right. A whole month since I have walked bob. You walked but, him before your lower surgery. Yeah. The weekend. Uh, before sepsis, you were almost getting to a point where you could take him out again. Yep. And then sepsis. And then sepsis. Cellulitis. Well, cellulitis is the localized skin infection. Yeah. yeah. Sepsis yeah. is the bloodstream infection. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas last time with the colon, it was only sepsis. There was no cellulitis. There was the colon. There was diverticulitis. Yes. I was going to say something. Don't know what it was. Oh, well. Gender. Sepsis kills brain cells. I'm sorry. So does being tired and trying to recover. Yeah. It doesn't allow you to plug in your brain cells and use them. No, it doesn't allow you to wash out the waste materials from days worth of thinking. Mm-hmm. Your brain keeps working and it keeps you, It keeps metabolizing. Mm-hmm. And your brain metabolizes just as much, if not more, than the rest of your body. Mm-hmm. And so you need sleep to wash out those metabolic waste products. Yeah, well, I took two naps yesterday. For that reason. You did good. Yeah. No Ken brain. So is that it for now? I'm not sure if it's a good sign or a bad sign that I think I'm not doing too bad with my braining. So, (laughs) okay. I think that is it. All right. We'd love to hear from you. So let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! I'm going to close the curtain because I'll off the sound from the front window. It's quieter in the bedroom. That's all right. Here we are, in the office, ready to go. Here we are. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Okay. How are you doing? Tired. Uh Uh-huh. It's morning. It is morning. Yeah, that's why. I'm not cognitively exhausted like I have been, so I'll take it. Yeah, any improvement will do. Right? I think. Okay. (sighs) Not yet. I'm getting there. Okay. Take your time. Okay. We better get going. Yeah. So tell me about breakfast. Well, I had my first breakfast with cereal, and about two hours later, I had an egg bite. And those were enough to take pills and stuff? Yeah, with the cereal, I took the rest of the antibiotics, and with the egg bite, I took my other pills. Very good. Mm-hmm. I will have to remember to keep my volume relatively low, because otherwise... Oh, you need me to talk louder. I forgot. <laughs> Well, we just need to be at a relatively similar volume. If you talk louder, that would be good. If not, then it'll just mean that by the time I level it all out, there may be more background noise Mm -hmm. because we're not talking loud compared to the background noise. Right. So, hi. Hi. You seem annoyed with me and I'm sorry. No, I just want to get going because I'm not that comfortable really. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. Oh my gosh.
I kid. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sit can, back. Can, can, Get you, your... can you deal with him? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Dad's busy. What you need? And did you get your pills? And did you eat some breakfast yet? Uh, you should... Okay, well then I'm only going to give you an hour and a half because I don't want you getting hangry because you didn't think you needed food, but then your body wants it before your stomach starts to feel hungry. Okay. All right, love you, bye. I know, right? Oh, man. The other day it didn't seem like it was, but then it turned out he hadn't taken his pills. Thank you, dear. I figured he'd respond to you better right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not feeling great. I feel worn out. You can tell when you're compromised. <laughs> you okay? Yep. Okay. You're you're leaning around like you're uncomfortable. Do you I need to move am around? Uncomfortable. I'm sorry. And I don't know that there's anywhere for me to move around to. Oh. So. Ha 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 ha!